Hello, Charlie Cummings here. This is the European Echo podcast, back up and running after the festive break. You can find European Echo on europeanecho.com if you're not already there. You can also subscribe to the podcast through the podcast app on your phone. What follows is the promised second part of my conversation with Xavier Robles de Medina in anticipation of his solo exhibition, If You Dream of Your Tongue, Beware, opening on the 22nd of January at the Katinka Tabakaru Gallery on New York City's Lower East Side. This time, moving away from a more general conversation, we managed to talk a little bit more directly about Xavier's work. What you're doing presents itself to me as something that eschews the the immediacy of of um, our current culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it. I think it's it's remarkable that it even exists. You know, like that something so detailed and and um technical and uh, craft driven and um you know it's like trompe l'oeil but it's also more than that it's not snarky it's not like it's not knowing it's just thoughtful um i think you know people like technical things and stuff and so there is a risk with what you're doing that you will end up doing the things that are like <laughs> technically impressive <laughs> rather than the more thoughtful deep considered compositions you know yeah because i think it's funny that you think that's a that a that's a some kind of threat because if you've at all experienced my experience with my own character um which i can't always control um i think you'd you'd find it very, like hilarious because I remember when I was in, I was in boarding school and this is like the first time that I had like visual arts in my formal education. So for the first time I'm getting at, at 16, 17 years old, I'm getting art classes and I was completely, you know, in th- like super super excited about every time we like enter the classroom uh, and every new assignment every middle of the assignment every mid mid critique every final critique uh cleaning up everything was fun um because it was so new to me and actually for the first few months it was completely open like just up to you what you want to do so I did self-portraits I did like kind of like this conceptual painting experiments and I loved it and then I remember there was like a theater project that my professor wanted to do with the theater department and uh, there's something with a camera like this theater piece that the, the theater class was performing revolved around some kind of camera and so my professor walks in with a bunch of cameras and gave one to everyone and said draw the camera and I couldn't give a fuck less about a fucking camera or drawing it and I couldn't get myself to do it I just could not draw this camera I didn't fail the project like I found some other way of like incorporating what I actually wanted to do. But that first day was miserable. Like I, I had to sit in front of it. I had to like pretend to be enjoying it. Like you're in class and everyone's working. 
and I just couldn't authentically, sincerely draw this camera. I can't actually generate results if there isn't some kind of sincerity behind it. So yeah, to like address this this idea you have for what like is threatening to my career, I think it's funny because like I can't I can't at all imagine that I'd be capable of that. I would see it as an accomplishment. It's like wow, you can do like technical drawings. I didn't know that. Yeah, and also I mean this is to assume that people don't have a point when they say this is very impressive. Uh, th- there has to be some sort of like like a real serious, difficult to understand statement. Yeah. Embedded within the art, and that that's the thing that the art should lead with, or it should be first and foremost confounding to the general public. Yeah. Which is bullshit. I also find it interesting. Like probably there's no other person on earth in my life that's more engaged in what I do than my mother. I think that like that's probably for most people. But my mother will like send me photos of like things that she like images that she thinks I I'd be attracted to. And it's kind of hilarious. Like <laughs> because it's like yeah, I don't care for that image. And why is it, like, in, a, like, a literal way? And I can see why she sent it to me. I can see why. Okay, it's, like, it's a burning house. Okay. Okay, I've I've drawn houses on fire before, or, like, scenes of fires or something. But, um, you know, there's, like, a little bit more... I wouldn't even call it a nuance... I think there's something else that I couldn't actually explain that attracts me to the images that I'm attracted to. <laughs> and it's funny to see like parodies of that in a way. Like if my mom sends me something, I th- I kind of see it as a parody. This is what a like an imitation of me would be in a way. Which is quite informative, I'd imagine, right? Yeah, because I immediately feel it. It's like that that's not at all what I would do. But what you're if I understand the sublime correctly, that is what you're trying to recapture is the experience of that is a peculiar thing. And like, you know, the sense of like, awe. I guess you get when you see a a strange image that doesn't fit into the, the sort of flow, like liquid flow of, of um, images that we experience or just a, an aspect of an image it's a very careful interpretation of of images or like interrogation of images you know and then a recapturing of them but yeah yeah, yeah i i like it i mean i think it i think it it does again i'm saying that aspect as well it's not just the mark making but it it does like present a challenge to the the kind of typical way that people engage with imagery yeah i definitely prefer making my work more than I enjoy analyzing it. Yeah, you don't have to talk about it yourself. I'm just going to, like... No, I mean, I enjoy talking about it, but I don't know how competent I am at, like, at an analysis. Don't bother. I I wouldn't... Yeah, I mean, it doesn't doesn't, uh, become you, I'd say, to to do it. But it's certainly something I ought to kind of think about if I'm going to, like, spend... And I haven't really given it a lot of thought. This is the thing, like, I think I don't think many people give it that much thought. The purchaser of your work probably does, and people who are, like, presenting it and 
and who are like whose job it is to critique these things. Yeah. And other artists might. But for me it's it's actually like a challenge, you know. I I find like in other situations What's like, the challenge? Well, I was about to sort of explain by way of example. I wrote I basically wrote most of an issue of, of an art magazine that's in Amsterdam, based in Amsterdam, just because like I had a bit of spare time and I thought, I'm going to see if I can write about art. And the guy was like, it let me into this free art, art fair. It was called um, New Now. It was a really new endeavor for me to be like lo- looking at the art and like thinking about what it made me feel. Yeah. And like, it it really does enrich your experience to be able to write about something. Yeah, for sure. Um, in art, to, especially to be given an opportunity to like to, for someone to say to to like give. I mean, I only wrote like three hundred, four hundred words, but it was like I was surprised at how much when I thought about it, how much I had to say. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, especially especially in the arts, I found that a lot of the time, if artists are good writers. They tend to be pretty good artists a lot of the time. Not always. You know, it, it it begs to be interpreted, I think. And returning to what I was saying about you, like, it's good for me to try and think about your work because I think, you know, we spend so much time together that, like, it's good to, for me to know where I stand with regards to it. Yeah, I wonder if you're able to see it, though, because you're spending so much time with me. You mean you think, like, I'm, I'm incapable of being critical? No, I don't think that. I think you might be... I don't know. I always get the sense that people who are close to me, that I never quite feel like they are are able to see it in some way. Because I think when you talk to me and you know so... You know, well, for, first of all, you know my work ethic, which isn't that attractive. You know what I talk about, which isn't necessarily something that I display in my work. I talk a lot about contemporary popular culture a lot of the time um what else do we talk about we talk about popular culture through history not just contemporary popular culture that's true but it's a lot of popular culture it's popular culture is our, is one of our real bread and butter conversation and i don't know that that's exactly what my work's about maybe it is i i'm not the one to say but i think i think it but maybe because we talk about it, yeah, yeah, you read into it. Well, I'm not even like looking carefully then, because like the thing is actually it's not like your. I mean, the thing is like partly because that would be extremely trite to be like. You, it depends you, you, on how you know. Yeah, I know, I know. I, like, I think the the most interesting things that you could say about that now would be deeply um, anti systemic um you know it, it, there's no point in like valorizing or like <laughs> it's a very academic work apotheosizing mm-hmm. um, images of popular culture now because advertising does it for us you know like we don't need that so i think though that your work must it must be a reaction a reaction in a certain sense to the abundance of rich popular culture products in advertising and media in in everyday life how can you not for me my art if i ever did any it would be like my hand gesturing behind someone's head 
like grabbing it and slowly trying to train them to look at something different and not like physically doing that but that would be my desire i guess yeah that's a good desire for sure um is just to make people... I guess the trick is in how... It's very didactic, though. I mean, I think, like... No, not necessarily. It depends on what you... It depends on your treatment of your materials and your your angle in discussing a certain subject. But I think that that's a very good goal because it's a starting point because the real challenge is in finding an idiosyncratic, very particular way of revealing something i'm kind of channeling my experience of proust and like the van toy sonata where the second half of the first book is essentially a riff on this sonata which swan the character swan falls in love and the van toy sonata is the sort of background to his love his, mm-hmm. his love for well for madame swan eventually anyway his like love is entirely trained towards this but the the greatness of the sonata for him is is that it was beautiful and then it, it like the things he found beautiful about it the things that captured him in the first place are the things that dissipated really quickly and he doesn't even appreciate those aspects of it later on and there's this phrase that he eventually uncovers in it that he's just completely enraptured by that he would never have noticed in the first place and it's this kind of reaction that initially drags you in and then you lose that original thing that hooks you in and then you find the real truly excellent things about that piece of work Mm -hmm. I think that's why it's still appealing to continue this craft element you know the like the real quality of your work is fine but you need that like sophistication underneath it otherwise it will just be another thing Mm -hmm. and i think like that's what what a great piece of work in any time any place is great for is it's it's layers of complexity that, that unveil themselves to you as you go i think so too yeah i definitely agree and it's non-judgmental it's not it's not trying to discredit anyone else or not trying to prove anything no it's just very confidently its own thing without being reactionary or like trying to discredit or no it's like if if someone like i think like you said before i think a lot of people interpret this in what i do that like rebelling to internet art or like rebelling against the the fast pace or something maybe i am like like very subconsciously but this is it's not explicit i'm not yeah i don't think it's the the, the modus operandi i don't think yeah. it's i don't think it's your purpose for doing it because if that's your purpose then like forget You'll about it you'll get tired of it <laughs> It's just not fun. It's that's just a very, very like long-winded and unnecessary. <laughs> Fuck you, I guess. Yeah, you know, it's, it's like... very. Uh, no one cares. The European Echo podcast was brought to you by European Echo. The theme was "Cast" by Jim Clemos. If you like the podcast and would like to hear more, you can subscribe on the podcast app on your phone or on iTunes. You could also head to the European Echo site at europeanecho.com or like us on Facebook.